Start your day the right way by taking charge of your physical and mental fitness. It's important to know your numbers. They determine if your blood pressure is high or low, your cholesterol balance, even your blood sugar level, heart rate, and much more. Get tested by visiting your doctor, clinic, or stop by at any health center closest to you. Take control today. This message is from Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. This is Doctors On Air with Dr. Pamela. Good morning. Today we'll be talking about saving newborn lives. It's an interesting topic and not one I think we've actually covered before. Good morning, Dr. Yifesor. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. We're talking about saving newborn lives and that sounds really critical. Can you just tell us first about what the problem is. Why do we need to save newborn lives? Do we have a specific problem here in Nigeria? What is it? Uh, th- thank you for having me once again. The question about newborn health and saving newborn lives is actually a very big and relevant one for Nigeria. As you all know, we have a high population, uh, but also we have a high rate of uh, infant mortality. Uh, we talk about newborns and uh, as doctors will speak uh, we speak about who we call neonates, children uh, who are born within the the first 30 days of life, you're labeled a neonate. Uh, interestingly, uh, when children are born, there's a critical support that they require in the very early moments of life that oftentimes we find missing. Nigeria has the second highest infant mortality rate in the world. I just want that to sink in a little bit. And depending on the statistics you look at, more than 700 babies die in Nigeria every day. This is a, a, a healthcare emergency. And then we can speak to the reasons why this happens. For example, I'll tell you quickly that birth asphyxia is a big deal. Babies are born, they are not breathing at birth, they are mislabeled as stillbirth. And there's a lack of competence, lack of information, technical skill and support for many of the providers. So these babies are labeled as stillbirth even while their hearts are still beating and account for a significant number of this high mortality rate. We also have things like prematurity and infection. I'll just say this, uh, there's an entity that in the popular palace is what is called the golden minutes, meaning one minute, 60 seconds, if a child is not breathing, someone should be there to help that baby breathe. And that is missing in many aspects of our country. And that's something that needs to be, it's been addressed, but there's still a lot that needs to be done. Wow. I, I mean, those statistics and things you've said are, are very alarming. I'm sure a lot of people are, are very sad to hear that number of babies dying. When you talk about that support that is needed, that golden minute, what causes them to have this birth asphyxia? What causes them to appear dead, as it were? And then before I go into how, you know, people should identify them and, and notice, you know, that they are alive or not alive, and then what else can be done? But first is why? Why do they come out appearing stillborn? In reality, babies don't breathe when they're inside their mothers. The function of breathing is essentially to bring oxygen into your blood system. In a newborn, a baby 
uh, is able to benefit from the presence of the mother. So based on the placenta, the placenta extracts oxygen from the mother's system into the baby's circulation, removing the need for breathing in a newborn baby. That being said, when the baby is born, you know, we cut the cord, baby, it leaves the mother. The baby is not supposed to take over breathing for itself. Somewhere within that period, there's a transition period that's supposed to happen, whereby the baby is supposed to now initiate breaths. But the birth process itself can be stressful for the baby. And there are many other reasons why that could happen. But at the end of the day, we can have a baby that is not breathing on its own. If the baby is not breathing on its own, then we're now dealing with what we call apnea, the cessation of breathing, absence of breathing. And we have what we call primary apnea. So a baby that is not breathing at birth, the provider needs to stimulate that baby. So the, the things they're doing, wiping the baby, cleaning the baby, you know, essentially help in the process of stimulation. Although there are some other crazy, weird things that people do, you won't get into that. But when you stimulate a baby in primary apnea, the baby responds. But also, popularly, you know, with this, you know, some of our people will spank a baby. But a baby that is now in secondary apnea, will not respond to any of those stimulating efforts. None of that will work. A baby in secondary apnea has to have someone help them breathe. We apply an amble bag with a face mask and a suction device, push air into the baby's lungs in order to help the baby breathe. Many of our providers are unable to achieve this. Now, granted, there are many people who are doing these things, but in so many places, depending on the skill level, the cadre of the healthcare worker who is managing the birth, and bear in mind, Dr. Pamela, more than 60% of, of our women don't even deliver in a healthcare facility so that there is a loss of opportunity there and these babies are, do not get the kind of care that they deserve. I'll say quickly, um, there's a video that I saw on Facebook. The video shows a baby not breathing at birth and then the healthcare workers doing so much in terms of stimulation, persistently stimulating this baby, moving this baby around. I'm talking of about seven to eight minutes that they're doing that, of which eventually the baby starts crying. And when you read the comments, there are so many people that are like, wow, they were so persistent, they did a good job and all of that. So, but there was a fundamental flaw that they did not try to help this baby breathe with a bag and mask. And of course, most people watching who are lay people don't know the difference. So that there is a need for people to improve in their level of understanding about these processes. So that in some situations, they are able to demand or advocate for a better level of care for themselves. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. So what we're saying is that ideally, people should actually deliver in a healthcare facility, number one. Number two, those healthcare facilities need to be equipped, properly equipped with things like this uh, neonatal ambu bag. In fact, I recall um, some years back, when the Bridge Clinic, uh, which is a fertility clinic, actually went and distributed um, neonatal amber bags in, in, in Lagos. Now, to make, make it more available, are they easily available now? Are those amber bags readily available in places where women deliver? 
The short answer is no. And um, for Bread for Life, I've been working in Nigeria for quite some time now, uh, training healthcare providers on this issue. It's a fundamental issue. We also bear the frustration of the fact that something so simple is not readily available. The, even though the ambu bags are there, the providers are not using them. We also have many providers who have actually never seen an ambu bag before. That's just the reality, as uh, brazen as that sounds. So the short answer is that... Are you talking about sort of traditional birth attendants? Who, who are you calling the providers that would not have to have seen an ambu bag before? Because I think we need to look at the different categories of care and know who, who we're, we're referring to so that we know where, for the people who are listening, we know where to go or we know where to send people to. Definitely, we have many traditional birth attendants, you know, who uh, are not conversant with this. But we also have some orthodox medical personnel who also have not had that exposure, uh, to be honest with you. And um, But of course, as you, in our orthodox setting, so to speak, within the hospitals and all that, you know, that is not the case. But we have many other services that are inadequately supported. So for example, if we start to look into the local areas, even in some of the primary healthcare centers, you're going to find an absence of the level of support that is required. So the part of what we do at For Bread for Life is that not only do we train the providers, we work hard to make sure that these materials are now available for them. And in particular, the neonatal ambu bag and also the suction devices because part of the simple process is that a baby is born, there are oral secretions that are there in the mouth and in the throat. You just need a small suction device to suction that out and then apply a face mask with an ambu bag and push air into the baby's lungs. That's really the simple process. So we try to make this available to these providers where they are. So after training them, they are uh, boots on the ground, they are ready to work in order to use what they've learned. But if you imagine the scope of Nigeria, um, and there are a lot of limitations, financial, logistics, and all that, but ultimately, we have to keep pushing forward to keep doing what we can, because the more people that are trained, the more people that are aware, the more lives and the more babies are saved. Thank you very much. You're listening to Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela. Thank you, Uka, for coming on the program to enlighten us about the operations of the Breath for Life. Can you tell us how does it work? What do you do? Who do you train? Sort of in a nutshell. All right. Thank you for that question. So um, for us, we look to always partner because... Um, this course is not one that you can do all by yourself. So to be able to provide training and health awareness, so typically we'll partner with um, hospitals across the country. So they, in some instances, um, we can train on their sites uh, within their facility. Uh, we train providers, um, healthcare attendants, um, um, traditional birth attendants, sorry. We train nurses as well. And in some instances, too, we do partner with state governments, uh, uh, in the past, we've partnered with Edo State Government to train providers, uh, particularly in 2018, to train providers in Edo State. And over the years, we've trained well over 2,000 um, providers across the country. So how this partnership will work is 
we provide uh, all the materials that is needed we bring facilitators uh, depending on the level of partnership we have with the group uh so with one with um Edo state government particularly so we got support from them we were able to get a facility where we train so we have our own uh, master trainers we also get uh, do get some local master trainers in some instances and we're able to then train these providers all right afterwards we give them materials ammo bags uh, for them to use uh we've also done training in those states as well we got some support um from the government over there and because about private sector so i mean for let me say governments is great yeah. but for example um, how about private hospitals that that um do maternity care how uh, how many hospitals would you say you have you know trained like that um with private hospitals i think we've done nearly 10 of them uh recently uh november last year particularly uh we had a training in lekki um children special children children's hospital yeah yeah so we had uh, we had a partnership uh, we still do have a partnership with them anyways so we trained quite a number of over well over 200 providers um in that hospital and about the same time we also did uh partner with UCH as well so we had nearly concurrent training happening and also we did had training at Luth as well about the same period so it's both public and private partnership across the country so um at the moment we're exploring and we're having even greater partnership with um association like Ampa uh Nisom so who are themselves a collection of um a uh, master trainers if you like and also uh, practitioners who understand this program and know what to do so they have better reach across okay. the country so we're able to partner okay. with them to train okay thank you so for just in case there are people out there who are interested in support for supporting this work which you do this very important work saving babies life uh, could you have a phone number that they could reach you absolutely so for those who are interested in reaching out and partnering with us or supporting what we do you can call uh this number 070 3722 and if you do wish Please to repeat. send us an email Please okay. repeat that number again it is 070 3722 and if you do wish to shoot us an email it is forbreathforlife@gmail.com number 4 breath b r e a t h @gmail.com Thank you very much. Social media, you're welcome. Thank you. So, Doctor Oyefeso, going back to you, how you know it's 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 quite a lot of work that you've done, and I know people who are listening here don't actually realize that you are someone who's actually from abroad, a diaspora who's really returning to share knowledge with us. Can you tell us what made you come back? to start this excellent work. Uh th- thank you very much. I I I think um if I remember my memory serves me right. I I was actually I I was very reluctant to actually leave Nigeria because I I just have a strong love and passion for Nigeria. Uh, but eventually for medical training and uh, all the exposure I decided to leave but with the firm belief that I'll come back you know fairly quickly. 
And then along the line, you know, life happened and it became more challenging to come back. And even the environment at home wasn't yet welcoming for us, you know, to be quite honest. So, but I had a conviction uh, that I have received close to free education in Nigeria, close to free medical education in Nigeria. And I know the situation in Nigeria, I know the problems in Nigeria. And it was like having a pebble in my shoe. And I, I felt that it would be unacceptable for me, it's unconscionable for me not to come back to give back to Nigeria and save lives in Nigeria. That anything otherwise would be like robbing Nigeria. So based on that personal conviction is, you know, how we started the journey of For Bread for Life. Unfortunately, um, when we started, I, I spoke to a few of my friends, you know, they came on the board of directors of uh, For Bread for Life. Uh, my, my very, very close friends who came on board and have been uh, such an unbelievable support in order to get this done. Fortunately, while, you know, um, thinking about the issue of Nigeria, I, I made some realizations. Number one is that in many developed countries, they are able to provide resources to keep providers in underserved areas with an incentive. That was number one. And then I felt that that model, you know, certainly could be replicated in Nigeria because we have many underserved areas. Then number two, that that we talk about a lot of very fascinating things in medicine, but that the core of the things that people need are really basic, basic sound primary health care, you know, and many of these basic things are achievable. So the issue of, uh, and of course, being a pediatrician, I have my, my own um, passion for children. And, but the idea, if you imagine just the, the first, the, the first, um, the first semblance of uh, humanity, of life, comes from a child. It's really the very beginning, before we talk about any other complicated or involving things, that just on the very first day, no child should die on their birthday, unless it's absolutely unavoidable. And if you think about just the impact of it, a mother carries a child for nine months, and then on the day of delivery, dies, and if you start to strip it apart, you see that many of these things could have been avoided. And then part of the challenge we have in our environment is that not only is that these things happen, but we don't take adequate steps to prevent them from happening anymore. So, so, so quickly, I, I want you to, I want you to quickly, I just want to drop you there because we don't have much time. And I want you to talk about, because we talked about prevention, we talked about steps to prevent these things from happening, what should be done? What should be done? We have to train as many providers as possible. Many more providers have to be trained across different levels. Now, uh, information has to get to the homes, has to get to the community. Mothers need to be aware. The more sophisticated and informed mothers are, the better the decisions they're going to make for their care. Remember I mentioned that we have the second highest infant mortality rate. We also have the second highest maternal mortality rate. So that pregnancy and delivery are perhaps the two most dangerous things for a woman in Nigeria. Women need to be aware of that. Sophisticated women need to be brought on board. Women who have resources, who are informed, to actually also educate other women and grow the network. 
and we have to raise the standard of care. This is another important piece. There must be a skilled provider present everywhere a baby is being born. It's just the basic minimum. These are unequivocal that we just have to, they're pertinent things that have to be in place. And if these things are in place and our people are more informed, workers are more supported, uh, facilities are, are better funded and better run, definitely we can prevent these things from happening. And it would be bereft of me if I don't mention about other issues like uh, prematurity and infections. But overall, uh, for Bread for Life, we're trying our own, making our own humble efforts, working with other local entities. Partnerships are critical. And there's such a big need for more synergy and collaboration around these problems. Because with better synergy and collaboration, so much more can be done, without a doubt. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. I think just to check, do people have to pay to get trained or do you have some free training sessions that are available for people from time to time? At this time, all our training sessions are free because we're having to uh, to bear the brunt and the cost of all that. Because if we were to wait that people must pay for the training, you know, that we would not make the same level of progress. There won't be the same level of uh, enthusiasm. Uh, we have trained thousands of providers across the country. And currently we have partnerships in Lagos, Ibadan, Otakot, Asaba, Engu, Zaria, and Maiduguri, uh, based on our local partnerships. And we're hoping to grow those partnerships and increase the footprint across different, uh, more parts of the country. That's fantastic. So that's for Breath for Life at gmail.com, if I remember. I think it's for people who are out there who are listening. If you want to be a donor, want to partner to train others, I think this is such an important um, aspect that we all need to sort of join hands to make it happen. I really, I really, really believe so. So can you tell us of some of your success stories? Oh, yes. Um, we've had um, many of our, of our trainees who have come back to, to give testimonials. Uh, these are people who, they see babies that in the past they would have walked away from uh, that this is a stillbirth or what have you. And they now remember what they've been taught and then start the steps of neonatal resuscitation. Because to be honest with you, it's almost magical if you were to experience it. Because that baby is not breathing. And if you stand across the room, you would think that the baby is not alive, but the heart is beating. And once you apply that face mask and suction device and you start to push air into the baby's lungs, the color change starts to happen and afterwards the baby starts to cry. So we've had many of these testimonials across. We've had mothers who have come to us who remember how they have lost babies in the past and they have seen a difference from what these providers have provided. And I'll quickly mention that we also facilitate even free open heart surgery uh, for, for children, for uh, needy children in the country. And the testimonials from them have been have been amazing as well because we have children whose families can afford they can afford millions of naira for open heart surgery, and uh, we do what we can to facilitate bringing providers in to get that done. And the the reality is that there is a need for so much more. We're grateful for the opportunity to talk about things like this, but with the interest, the core interest to save more lives and bring more people in into the world. That's wonderful. 
I think it's one really wonderful work that you that you're doing. And I know that there are people out there who'd be happy to to actually reach out to you, particularly when they know it is free. And for you to bring on this additional um, aspect of cardiac care, these are things that we really do need in our country today. So, can I ask you, do you have any last words for our listeners? Yeah. I I just want to appeal to everyone out there uh, to realize that uh that we have some serious challenges in our country and the value of anybody's life is inestimable. Nobody should die a preventable death in our country. Babies should not be dying like that. Women should not be dying at this rate. It is unacceptable that Nigeria will have the second highest infant and maternal mortality rates in the world. In the world. We are doing the little that we can, but we can't do much without the help of well-meaning individuals and other entities. There are many organizations that are doing good work. And I want to encourage everyone to, to break down the silos, to be able to work more collaboratively. The resources are limited. And I want to also push for um, our women to be more informed. Moms, when you're pregnant and you're going to have a baby, the place you decide to have your baby is perhaps one of the biggest decisions you'll make in your life. Your life can literally depend on it. Make sure that the place where you're going to have your child has your best interest at heart. That they have the things that are required in case you and your baby have problems or they have a system in place that you can move to a higher level of care. Talk to your friends, pay attention. There's so much of information out there and we can make better decisions. As we say in For Bread for Life, every life matters. Thank you so much for having us here. We're truly grateful. Thank you. Doctors on Air with Dr. Pamela.